Thank you. Good morning. If you are visiting today and you haven't gotten one of these Connect cards, please grab one from the back of your seat or raise your hand and Usher can get one of those for you. But it lets us keep in touch with you and, and keeps you up to date with everything that's going on in the church, life groups. Uh, we also send you a, a little thank you card, uh, postcard, but we want to be able to stay in contact with you. And you can just get these to the ushers and they will uh, help us out with that. But we appreciate you being here, so welcome anyone that's a first-time visitor here in the house today. We're glad you're here. Also, uh, if you are interested, I know it was already mentioned, but tomorrow is the start date of Old Testament survey. So I just wanted to make sure that those of you that were interested in taking the class, it will be in here in the sanctuary, and it will start tomorrow, 7 o'clock sharp. Uh, OT1 and then OT2, Old Testament Survey 2, will also be right after that. Two different classes, not, not right after tomorrow night's class, but after the eight weeks of Old Testament Survey 1, then we'll go right into Old Testament Survey 2 for eight to nine weeks. So we will finish up just like a normal uh, college class right around, uh, right before Christmas. So if you are interested in that, each one of the classes is 125 each. That's very reasonable. Very reasonable, because if you go to any other college, I can guarantee you're probably not going to find it for that. So if you are interested in OT1 or, well, you have to take OT1 before you take OT2. You can't go, you can't take OT2 before OT1. Okay, so you have to take both of them. But if you're interested, be here tomorrow at 7 o'clock. It's going to be really good. I'm excited about teaching it. All right. You ready for the word this morning? Yeah. Amen. Me too. All right. Let's turn to 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17, and I am going to pray over the word going out this morning. Father, we thank you so much for the stories, for the lives in the Bible, in the word of God, that you have already given us as, a, as a, an example Father, as a, a testimony to know what you have planned and prepared for us. Father, you desire great things for each one of us. You have called us to, to walk in dominion. You have called us to walk in victory. And I pray, Father, this morning that the, the veil comes off of every eye, that they see their future, they see the future that you have for them, a hope in a future, not to bring harm, not to bring any kind of destruction, in their life, but you have sent Jesus Christ so that we could have life and life more abundantly. So we pray, Father, for that this morning. Unveil every eye, unstop every ear. Father, let our vision go far this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First Samuel 17. Now this is a this is a story uh, out of the Word of God, real life story, not a fairy tale. This is real life, but this is about David, and most of you have probably already been familiar with this uh, story. But I I want to kind of set it up as the beginning point this morning because. David is, is coming out of a place, uh, you know, he's been in the field. 
he's been watching sheep. He's been a shepherd. And then all of a sudden, he begins to move into an anointing. God has, has called him to a purpose. And he moves from a place. I know we've been talking about breakthrough this month. But he moves from a place of breakthrough to overthrow. And that's what I want to focus on this morning. Because breakthrough, when you think about it, breakthrough, have you ever played, how many's played on a sports team in here? Okay. You ever, you ever uh, know that moment whenever the team, it's just like they make a major good play and the shift happens in the game. And it's like the spirit of the team all of a sudden goes to a new level. And it's like, yeah. And everybody's like, they broke through in that moment. In the, in the opponent's face, you can see it. Like a little bit of panic just set in. And it's like that breakthrough moment, but it's not the end of the game. Right? They don't go, great play, guys. Yeah, we did it. Okay, let's go sit down. No, they use that breakthrough as momentum for the next play. They use that breakthrough as momentum to gain the victory. Because it's not like they're stopping and saying, okay, great play, guys. Great play. We got the breakthrough. Uh, let's just go ahead and, and sit our butts down from this point. Water break. No, they are ready. They, in fact, it's the other team that usually calls the timeout. They're like, uh-oh, we got to reconfigure some things. And so this morning, I want to talk about that because David, David went from breakthrough to overthrow or dominion. And so that's where I want to go this morning, but we can't do it. We can't get to the, the victory part, the overthrow part, until we talk about the beginnings. And so I want to start at uh, verse 1 in chapter 17, and we're going to read through 11, and then we're going to skip a little bit and, and pick back up. So it says, Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Socha and Judah, they pitched camp at Ephes Damon between Soka and Ezekah. Saul and, his, and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with a valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and he wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. The Philistine said, this day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. 
So I want to stop here for a second. You've got Goliath, who, or Goliath, who's called the champion of the Philistines. And what would happen many times with kingdoms is, is in order to take over a territory, kingdoms would go, go at war. But there would be times when they would only send out their champions because kings would agree like, okay, we'll send our champion out, you send your champion out, and they'll battle, and then whoever loses it becomes the subject of your kingdom because then there's not as many casualties. We don't lose men, you don't lose men, and we'll just put our best man forward because a lot of times what they believed is the God that is the most powerful will win over anyway. And so they were believing in the God that they served. Now, this is interesting because you've got the Israelites here that have the most powerful God in the universe, and they're running in fear because they don't know their God. And they're seeing Goliath, this nine-foot giant, taller than this ceiling here, and he's standing there yelling at them every day for 40 days. And they're running and hiding in their tents. And so there's fear. Their, their hearts are melting away in fear. Now, we can liken this to today when we have things in front of us. And, yeah, maybe it's not uh, a big nine-foot man in front of us saying, I'm going to take you down, you know. But it can be a situation. Because what, what is behind that situation or what is behind that opposition is an enemy that does not want you to possess the territory or the inheritance that God has for you. And so you can't just see that situation as, oh, well, that's just a, you know, that's just a thing or a person. No, there's an enemy that doesn't want you to possess a future of hope, a future of promise, because God has precious promises for us that are yes and amen. And we are to take a hold of those things and stand firm on those promises. We sung about it this morning, about how he is faithful and his promises. He's a, a promise keeper and sometimes I believe you know we can sing that and then we'll walk out the doors and forget it and we'll we'll be like yes he's a promise keeper amen and then we go out and we, we face our situation and then we don't believe that he's really going to be the God that keeps his promises but see the thing is what we're often hoping for just like this situation we're praying that God just comes down and wipes out Goliath himself but God has given the earth to man. He has given the dominion of the earth to man. When Adam gave it over to the enemy, then it became under enemy control. So as a result, God has to work through man because he can't go back on his word. He said the heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to man. So that means he's not going to go against his word, his law that he already created. So he has to operate through a human vessel that's willing. But guess what? It's the same way that the demons work. So God is looking for humans, people that will say yes and I will believe in your word. And I will dare to stand in front of the enemy and bring him down. Not based on my strength, not based on who I am, but who God is in me. Because it's all based upon him and his power that's working in us. It has nothing to do. In, in our weakness, he is what? Strong. 
In our weakness, he is strong. So even if we feel weak, those are our moments to say, yes, he's coming through. Yes, I'm going to trust in him. I'm going to lean on him. I'm not leaning on my own flesh. I'm not leaning on my own strength. I'm leaning on him because it's exactly what Saul tried to do. He tried to put the armor on David, said, here, use my armor, use my sword, use all of my equipment, and it was too big and it was too heavy for David because he's a young boy around 17 years old. And he's like, this is uncomfortable for me. If he would have went into battle wearing someone else's armor that was uncomfortable, think about it. You got a helmet that's too big, and all of a sudden, you know, you go to do something, and, you know, it, it falls on your face, and then you can't see. I mean, it just messes everything up because you're trying to walk in something else that the world is expecting you to walk in. But if you will listen to the word of God, and walk where he is showing you, then you'll be victorious. And it's exactly what David did. Let's go ahead and, and pick back up at uh, verse 26. So David came. He, he's been coming back and forth. He's been bringing things to his brothers. But now it's different because all of a sudden there's this Goliath. And he's like, uh, who's this guy? So he shows up at the battlefield. And it says, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for this man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? What he's saying, who is this Philistine, this guy that has no covenant with God, that's coming against us who have a covenant with God, and God will back his covenant, and he will be faithful, and this guy doesn't have a covenant. He's not in God. He's not in the covenant-keeping uh, requirement that God backs up. So why are we afraid of him? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that dares to defy the armies of the living God? Verse 27, they repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. And when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. How many insults can you throw in one paragraph? I mean, really, he's like, you've got a few sheep. Your position is pointless. You've got little responsibility. What do you think you're doing? You know, we're here. We're the older brothers. Your job is pointless. Go home, you little rat. You know, I mean, it's just like he is demeaning. But the thing is, is he's part of his family. Not every voice, and I'm going to tell you this, not every voice is going to be uplifting. Jesus dealt with it too, even in his disciples. If you remember, you've got Peter who said, no, you're not going to go to the cross. That's never going to happen to you, Jesus. You're not going to die. And Jesus looked at him and said, get behind me, Satan. Even Peter was influenced by a demonic voice that spoke to him. No, Jesus isn't. He Tell him he's not because he's trying to discourage him from his assignment. Even voices can come in through Christians, and they don't realize it. Peter didn't realize it. He wasn't like, yeah, I want to be used of Satan. You know, he wasn't. That wasn't his, like, secret prayer in his closet. He wanted to do what was right. 
But sometimes when you're not walking in faith or when you don't understand the mission of someone else, there will be words of wisdom or logic or words that come out that you think is right because the enemy's trying to discourage that person off of their assignment. And so David's dealing with this in his own home. And he says, now what have I done? Can I even speak? Or a, another version actually says, is there not a cause? Is there not a purpose to this thing right here? Is there not a reason that we should be going after him? Because God had already told them way before they went into this territory of Canaan. He told them to go into the land and to wipe out every inhabitant. In fact, let me read it to you. It's out of Deuteronomy. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but I wrote it down because I want you to hear what the Lord had told them from the beginning. You must destroy all the people the Lord your God gives over to you. Do not look on them with pity. Do not serve their gods, for they will be a snare to you. He will give their kings into your hand, and you will wipe out their names from under heaven. No one will be able to stand up against you. You will destroy them. This was before David's time. This was the word that was given to all the Israelites, but it takes a man that says, I'll choose to do it. I'll choose to take the assignment. I'll choose to walk in the promise that God gave us. Same thing that, that Joshua and Caleb did. They were of a different spirit, it said. And they went in and they said, we can take the land. When everybody else said, no, we can't. There's giants in that land. We can take the land. God has given us this land. And they go in 40 years later, and they did take the land. But David is dealing with the same thing today because there's still people in the land that were not yet destroyed, that were actually enemies. Let me, let me make that clear. They were actually enemies of God. These are not just people that weren't saved. These are enemies of God. They have set themselves up. Goliath even said, I defy your God. So these are people that are not for God at all. He says, is there not a cause? And then he turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Now, people today would be like, well, that's boastful. Well, that's, that's really arrogant. But David wasn't being arrogant. He saw this guy needed to come down. These Philistines needed to come down. Because this is what God told us to do. And I have the faith to do it. It has nothing to do with me. I'm here to fulfill the assignment that God has given us and the promise that he gave to us. So Saul replied, you're not, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. And he has been fight, a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the Paul 
of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, the Lord be with you. He saw a determination in David that he wasn't seeing in anybody else, obviously, because they were hiding, shaking in their tents. But he saw something different in David. He saw a determination. He saw an aggression. But he saw that this guy was backed by God. He saw that God had, had given this young boy uh, an anointing, a power to overtake. And David believed in it. David believed in his God. And so he said, this Philistine is not going to be any different than that lion or that bear that I already took out. We've been down this road. I, I've done this before. And there's, it's not going to be any different. Because I was sent to protect the sheep. I did my job. And now there's a bigger cause at hand. And it's the, the armies of Israel are here to take over the land that God has given us. And so he it goes through. And he, he goes and he gets five stones. And... <laughs> and it's interesting because even Goliath had a, a shield bearer in front of him. David didn't have that. I mean, everything that, that could, could be uh, something fearful was there. But David, skip down to verse 45. Because Goliath, I'm skipping through because there's more to go through than just this story. But it says, David said to the Philistine, you come at me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. And, but if we don't take the time to, to have that inlet, if we're not creating the inlet, because see, here's the thing. Satan has all kinds of inlets. He has inlets around you all day long. And it doesn't take much. It could just be somebody you go to school with, somebody you work with, somebody that lives with you. But the thing is, to get the, the word of God in you, you, be, you have to be purposed. It's got to be like, I am doing this and I am fighting for this schedule. I am fighting to get this today. Every single day, I guard it. Because I've got to have my daily medicine of the word. It's what makes me strong. And the enemy can give you those voices. And here's the thing, that... that that thought, that very thing that comes against you can very easily be adopted as your own feeling. Now the defeat, the hopelessness, the depression, the everything that I'm feeling, that's who I am. The anger, the frustration, the anxiety, all of these things that I'm feeling, that's, that's just me. It's part of who I am. But are you created in the image of God? Answer me. Talk to me. Yes. If you're created in the image of God and you have God's spirit on the inside of you and you are spirit, this flesh dies. 
it's not who you are and it's not God did not create you defeated God did not create you depressed. God did not create you to, to, to be in a place of anxiety. He didn't create you to not excel in this life. He created you to overcome. That's why he calls you overcomers, conquerors, more than conquerors. So his plan for you is not, that's the, that is the enemy speaking to you. And once you discern that and once you understand that that's the enemy's voice coming into my head as my thought, then you realize that's my giant. That's not me. That's my giant that I've got to take out. And when you realize that, then guess what? What did God tell the Israelites? He said, take them out, destroy them, do not have pity on them. You cannot pity your anxiety. You cannot pity depression. You cannot pity fear. You cannot pity anger. You cannot say, well, this is my crutch. This is the thing that I keep beside me to make me feel better. This is the thing that I use to get sympathy. This is the thing that I use to, so I can just be coddled. That may sound harsh, but I'm telling you what, if you want to go from the place where you're at into victory, this is the thing that's going to take you there. Because I see you as victorious. God sees you as victorious. But this is the medicine that has to be swallowed to see you there. And David had to take that stance. He had to take that aggressive stance. And that's why Saul said, okay, yeah, you're 17. Uh, I'm going to let you go ahead and go out because there's something coming out of you that's obviously not in me because I'm hiding, but you you look like your buddy. You know, it wasn't just David. Saul understood, like, this whole army and the, the all of Israel's resting upon this 17-year-old boy. Like, he's going into battle for us because we are either going to become slaves or they're going to become our slaves. So it's not like, okay, well, David, you know, if you don't make it, we'll just try again. No. It was like they were depending upon him. And there's something coming out of his voice that's different than anything else that I'm seeing in the rest of Israel. So you can't look at the voice of the enemy and say, well, yeah, this is just a bad situation, and this is just what happens in, in times like this. And if you want to see victory, then you have to take the stance of a violent faith. The violent take it by force is what the Bible says. The kingdom of God has been advancing until now, and the violent take it by force. What's that mean? It means there's an aggression in your spirit. It doesn't mean you're fighting against flesh and blood. You're not fighting against the people. But even a voice could have a demonic influence behind it. You're fighting against spiritual things. And so when it comes against the very thing that God has promised you, then you have to be in a place where something rises up in you that says, you're not taking this from me. No. And there's something in you that says, I'm claiming this. I don't care what you say, but I'm claiming this. This is mine. 
This defeat, nope, that's from the enemy. I choose because God's word said. That's why this has to be in you constantly because if you don't know what he's promised you, you don't know what to stand on. And if you know what to stand on and you know it's your inheritance, then you can stand and say, God is giving me the land. God is giving me this break, not breakthrough, but the victory. I'm moving into a place of victory. To wrap up, David went, if you read, it, the Bible talks about David's 30 men, mighty men. See, David went from killing sheep, or not killing sheep, killing a bear, killing a lion, killing a giant, then going after armies of Philistines, conquering territories and land, but it, it didn't just stop with that. He began to rally around him men that were coming to him. Why? Because they saw the anointing on his life and they saw the victory coming out of him. And what did it do? It drew people to him. He didn't even go out looking for them. They came to him. And as a result, you have David's 30 mighty men. And they begin to take down giants. And they begin to take down armies. And that's what I want to wrap up with today. Because I'm telling you what, it, it's so amazing. I'm going to go to 2 Samuel. Oh, I've got two, two passages here I'd really like to read. Chapter 23. This is, this is the victory that God wants every person to be in. Where it goes, you personally having victory and knowing how to stand in Christ and knowing what belongs to you, and you don't back down. And then you begin to see victory after victory in your life. And then it's over your home. And then when you see those victories over your home, where it's like protection is in your home, healing is in your home, deliverance is in your home, provision is in your home, and then God wants you, and he begins to draw people to you because they begin to see that, and they want to know how you're doing this. And so it, God doesn't want you to just get it for you. He wants you to get it so that it impacts and influences a whole bunch of people. And that's what happened with David. It started with him because you can't lead other people into victory if you don't have it for yourself. And so it says in 23.8, these are the names of David's mighty men. I'll probably get half these names wrong. Josheb, Bashabeth, a Tachemanite, was chief of the three, he raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. Get that. Like, imagine that. 800 men he took down, this one guy. This is the impartation that David had upon his men. 800 men this one guy took out. Next to him was Eleazar, son of Dodai, the Aholite. 
as one of the three mighty men, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines gathered at Pasdamim for battle. Then the men of Israel retreated, but he stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eleazar, but only to strip the dead. He, he was in such a position. If it wasn't for that guy, they would have lost the battle. But he stood his ground, and he fought to the point that his hand became so cramped around his sword because he got it clenched and was fighting and took these people out. I'm talking like fierce aggression. I'm talking fierce faith, like a determination, like these people are not taking me down and they're not taking my army with me. Next to him was Shama, son of Agi, the, the Horite. And when the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. But Shama took his stand in the middle of the field and he defended it and struck the Philistines down. And the Lord brought about a great victory. During harvest time, three of the 30 chief men came down to David at the cave of Adullam, while a band of Philistines was encamped around in the valley of Rephaim. At the time, David was in the stronghold, and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So three mighty men broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gates of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. But if he refused to drink it, instead he poured it out before the Lord. Far be it from me, O Lord, to do this. Is not the lives of the blood of the men who went at risk for their lives? And David would not drink it. Such were the exploits of the three mighty men. And it goes through and talks about other, other people and giants. And, you know, it, it's like just multiplication, multiplication of knocking these people out and men that were so mighty because of the influence that David had found, not just breakthrough after breakthrough, but came into victory to the point that after David's life, you hear nothing more of giants. There are no more giants in the land. He ridded giants of the earth, him and his men. And in fact, in one, one uh, passage in, in chapter 21, when David's older and he goes to war, with his men, and there, and he's up to up to battle, and, and this guy's coming at, after him. But David gets exhausted; his strength gets sapped from him because he's older and he's still going to war. And he would have been killed, but one of his men came in and saved him and, and killed the other guy. And they said, and the men said that day, "We won't allow you to go to battle anymore. We will fight, but you need to stay out because we do not want the light of Israel to go out." Why? Because they realized, like, you know, it's easy to look at the flesh and say, okay, well, you know, if David's getting old, then let a new one come up. But they realized it wasn't in the physical strength that brought the victory. It was what was in him. That's what people get drawn to. It's not the outside of you. It's what you have fostered on the inside of you that will draw people. And they will say, we don't want the light to go out. We need to make sure that we're taking care of that and that's in a safe place because we don't want the light of Israel to go out. It's what's in you. The very light of God 
The very power of God is in you, ready to bring you through, not just to your breakthrough, but to your victory.